It's Tony Katz today. Rising prices and no plan. I mean, that's where we're at. Rising prices and no plan at all. Gas hit $85. I should say oil hit $85 a a barrel. That would be the more accurate way to say it. Gas. My brother's a doctor in Atlanta. Paying well over $4 a gallon. Tony, does he use premium? He happens to. He's never paid this much. I don't know where you live. I'm at 339. I'm using the, the, the cheap stuff. This number is up a buck and a half. Let's call it a buck 20 in less than a year. And there is no end in sight. Yet at the same time, the stock market continues to grow. It's madness. These two things are absolutely not in sync. Am I supposed to believe that because the market is going up that everything is good? Not on Midwest Main Street. Wall Street may be okay. Your retirement fund may be okay. But on Midwest Main Street, it's rough and getting rougher. You think you've got a problem now with getting your goods? Now those goods are going to cost even more as these gas prices continue to go up. And as Steve Scalise The House Minority Whip pointed out, Joe Biden doesn't have a plan to solve the energy crisis that many of his policies created. How is he going to lower gas prices for families who are paying, in some cases, $100 to fill up their car, and then their, their their credit card maxes out at $100 at the pump, and they can't even fill up their car on $100? And when the president was asked what his answer is, he said that he doesn't have a short-term answer. I think that's embarrassing that the president of the United States, when confronted with the biggest crisis that families are facing that he created, says that he doesn't have an answer to that problem. Well, the good news is House Republicans do. We have an answer to that crisis. As Kelly talked about, let's just get back to the things that were working. We were an energy-dominant nation when Joe Biden took the oath of office. Gas prices were less than $2 a gallon. People hearken back to those days. It wasn't that long ago that they were paying less than $2 a gallon for gasoline. Today, in some states, it's over $5 a gallon. You know this is a 2022 issue because they just announced it from the House of Representatives. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833-GOT-TONY. That's the number, 833-468-8669, 833-GOT-TONY. That's how you get in touch with us. Here's the question. What will you be giving up in order to fill up your tank? 833-GOT-TONY. I want to know uh, the the actual thing. Not, not so much the dollars. What's the thing that you have to now sacrifice, that your family now sacrifices so you can do your job, get to work, do all the things that you do? Now, maybe it's nothing. Maybe you've got the money to handle it. As we know in all these cases, and all inflation is an attack on the poor. It's not an attack on black people. It's not an attack on brown people, Asian people, Hispanic people, gay people, whatever uh, group you want to throw at me. It's an attack and a destructive moment for the poor. That's reality. I oppose tariffs because tariffs are taxes. 
I never minded the utilization of tariffs as a way to try and bring people to the table to create better trade deals. I appreciated that Donald Trump wanted to try something out of the box, even though I knew it was a tax. Tariffs are taxes, and we pay them. He would always talk about, we were collecting billions of dollars, but we paid it, just like inflation. But when it came to Trump, it was an attempt to try and get something done better. I'm willing to give things a go. And when I spoke to farmers, I don't, I don't know if you ever heard that. I haven't done a town hall like that in a, in a while, and we were going to do some, and then we had to stop because COVID insanity. And producer Ari is right now working up the next ones that we're going to do. We've got a series that we want to get to. And I, I might do them in front of a live audience. I don't, I don't know. I haven't figured that part out yet. But when I sat down with farmers, almost to a person, men and women, they know that the tariffs hurt them, but they're willing to handle that hit. And this was a conversation that was two years ago, maybe it was three years ago. They were willing to handle that hit because it would mean better things down the road. One of the things that works for farmers is just the words, we have a trade deal with China. It'll send things up a dollar a bushel. It really does. It creates a better mind. They know they can't trust China. I mean, who who amongst us does not know that you cannot trust China? Can't be done. The farmers are totally aware with uh, of this. See, the farmers are smarter than Michael Bloomberg ever gave them credit for, because because they know you can't just drop the seed in the ground, add the water, and up comes the corn. That's not that's that that is that is not in any way shape or form it but don't expect a guy like michael bloomberg to understand any part of it that's not how it works that's not how any of this works people are going to be giving up real things through this inflation as jack dorsey refers to it as hyperinflation they are going to give up, you may very well give up, real things. I had a conversation with a car dealer last night. And they're starting to see more and more trucks getting traded in. They're starting to see the trucks that everybody drives and everybody loves and they're awesome. They're starting to see those trade in. And the four cylinders are moving. You better believe it. You better believe it that these gas prices change those kinds of patterns. You know, I I do the Cigar and Bourbon show, Eat, Drink, Smoke, with with Fingers Malloy, who you've heard here on the show, and uh, fills in. This was a, a, a year ago. It was a year ago around this time. He flew himself out to to uh, Arizona, to Tucson, and bought a Chevy Volt. I said, you are not buying a Chevy Volt. He goes, I am totally buying a Chevy Volt. And now, a year later, he's a genius. An absolute genius. So already we're seeing the moves and maneuvering and things changing. But the question is, what will you be giving up? Because you are going to give up something. This is where we're at. 
Let me give you a little more proof of this. This is MSNBC. You know, Jose, you talked about those extreme prices in places like California, Nevada, and Hawaii. I'll leave you with this stat. There is not a single state in the United States that has an average below $3 a gallon. So just one more indication how difficult this is going to be on consumers as we head towards that holiday season. Jose? $3.39. That's the, that's the average across all the 50 states. On Twitter, Trisha took a job to stay afloat in this economy. Now, there's an interesting thing about the job market. We know that people are looking for work, are, are looking for employees everywhere. But I have had one or two people say to me, man, I've applied, I haven't gotten the gig yet. So I, I can't tell if that's something specifically uh, about them or, or, or something else go, going on. But to stay afloat, that's an interesting terminology. We're seeing the gas prices go up, and, and you've, you've got inflationary pressure on other things. We haven't seen yet the heating prices, heating oil prices go up, but that's going uh, to happen. But Trisha points out that her normally $10, I assume, a pound of flank steak, or maybe it was just a, a couple pounds, flank steak, is now 30 bucks. Well, that is an example of the real decisions people are making. Am I going to get this or am I going to get that? Okay, we're not going to do meat this week. Because instead of it going into the bellies of my kids, it went into the belly of my car. So I could still go to work to ensure that something gets into the belly of my kids. The $15 an hour that people are getting and more, the inflationary pressure has taken that buying power away. Now, is all of this Joe Biden's fault? No. And Steve Scalise, you know that. But if you don't believe in America's energy independence, if you don't believe in the value of things like fracking, if you don't do what your country has to offer to necessitate a more vibrant and safer country, and a country that's paying less for its energy is indeed a safer country, well, then this is what you're going to get. The worst part about this conversation is I didn't say anything right there that you don't already know. Part of my job is maybe to introduce an idea uh, in a way that you haven't thought of. I don't know how to do this here. We're all in this. If you and I are on the bar stool, and we should be, this whole show should happen from a bar stool. Producer Ari, get us on location. Well, this is the conversation, man. The conversation is, what did you forego this week? If you're the president of the United States and you're the party in power, you think you want Americans having that conversation? And, and let us be a little more clear. It is a conversation that does not happen on the coasts. And if we want to define coasts, New York, D.C., San Francisco, Los Angeles, downtown Chicago. Coast of Lake Michigan. It's good enough. They don't have these conversations. When you took a look at the people rebelling in France on the taxes they wanted to put on gasoline and on driving, that came from the countryside. And they came to Paris and they burned the mother down. Because that's how you get Emmanuel Macron's attention. They burned it down, and I'm not suggesting such a thing, 
because the taxes don't affect the people who live in the cities. The conversation about gas doesn't affect anybody who rides their bike to work or takes a subway. The people taking subways have other problems like the inability for the subway to work and, of course, the human-sized rats. The gas prices affect the truckers listening right now as they're heading down the road. It's raining, they're heading down the road. It's snowing, they're heading down the road. There's ice, they're heading down the road. They're doing their thing because the country is depending on them, including those woke folk in the cities who look at this raising, rising of gas prices and says, well, we should have less cars on the road anyway. <laughs> that's, I assume that's what they sound like. We are the ones affected. Midwest Main Street. Midwest Main Street is what is affected. The administration knows this because they know where they have to get their voters from. They're already going to get New York voters and they're already going to get California voters. And they put that 80 some electoral votes to the side and said, okay, we start with that. How do you get those Florida voters? How do you keep getting those Georgia voters? You think you're going to win Texas? <laughs> what? That is not happening. They know it's a problem, but the people on the coast don't know it's a problem. So they turn their back to this issue while we all live with it. And the people, if we're talking about the coast turning their back, that means media very often turns their back to this issue. That's why it's so important to note that MSNBC is having this conversation. Because this is the barstool conversation. This is you and me over a cigar, baby. This is you and your spouse at the kitchen table after the kids have finished dinner and they're gaming. This is the look in the eye when you're looking at the checkbook saying, yeah, we're going to have to make some uh, decisions. You know what one of those decisions may very well be? How many people are going on vacation this winter? Now, it could be that the winter vacation isn't affected because there were so much savings going on from people not leaving their house because of COVID. Right? It, it, it can change a lot of things. But okay, it won't be the vacation this winter. What about the vacation in the summer? Because these costs are still there and people are going to spend the money that they saved on vacation and not worry about the rising gas prices and heating oil prices and food prices. All of a sudden, you got people getting some savings again to nope. Every way you twist and turn, this is bad. And Steve Scalise is right that this administration does not have a plan. Some people argue, you know, this is the plan. I understand those people. I understand those people. The plan is to move forward on the ideology and not worry about the reality and simply blame those who don't allow more of the ideology to take hold. I, I, am, I say, am I speaking out of, out of turn? I don't think so. You're not crazy. This bad thing's going on. This is a bad, bad eka, eka, economic moment. But what are you giving up? That's what I want to know. 833-468-8669. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz.
Ron DeSantis had a beer. But I, I thought that was I thought that was cause for alarm because it, 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 it made all the waves on social media. See, Ron DeSantis, when he was twenty years old, had a beer with a couple of girls who were eighteen years old, and well, uh, people have gone nuts. They are absolutely out of their heads. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. The story is that a group called Midas Touch, M-E-I-D-A-S, with an exclusive, Ron DeSantis partied with underage girls at a drinking party while teaching at a Georgia school. I guess he was thought of as the hot professor or the hot teacher. And uh, yeah, uh, and and in uh, uh, he 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 did this 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 thing. He taught at the school for a year, left, went on to Harvard Law School. By the way. And there's a picture of him, and they blurred out the girls' faces. He's got a beer in his hand. He's with there are these three girls next to him, and people are like, "Hero, party with your students, though." That's kind of weird. First, uh, I I won't tell you that it's not the weirdest thing I've ever heard uh, in terms of he's young, they're young. I'm not 100% sure if they were his students or they were students at the school, but you can say, hey, that's inappropriate. But it was also 20 years ago. And this is what people are putting out there to show, oh my gosh, Ron DeSantis. Ted Kennedy killed a woman. Let her drowned, left her for dead. Ron DeSantis had a beer with some lovely young ladies. Ah, uh, he was underage. Mmm, you. Because as you know, Ron DeSantis is the only man in America ever to have a beer underage. You shouldn't, if you're a teacher, you shouldn't be drinking with the students. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. He was 20, they were 18, they shouldn't have been drinking at all. This is... I'm not saying you should, you know, look up to this. I am saying that if this is your desire to tear down a presidential candidate who went on to some pretty great things, including serving in the military, you you got nothing. Pathetic on pathetic on pathetic on pathetic. This is Tony Katz today. Inez Cantor is swinging for the fences, which is weird because he plays basketball. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It is so great to be with you. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. Plays for the Boston Celtics, and he has been very clear that China must be reckoned with, and the NBA should be doing more to do that. And Tibet should be free, and China abuses the Tibetan people. And China's abusing Taiwan. And China abuses the Uyghur Muslims. Inez Cantor is speaking some truth. And in the NBA, that's extremely necessary. 
Because when truth got spoken by Daryl Morey, that we should support the Hong Kongers against Chinese abuses, he got abused by the NBA. LeBron James saying that he he's not he needs to get more educated on the subjects. LeBron James, all that power, all that clout, afraid to speak out for people who are being destroyed. That's that's not what we call leadership. One man's point of view. Inez Cantor, who already knows that the president of Turkey wants to kill him, and he does. Erdogan wants to kill him. Taking on China. Mentioned China and their abuses, and China said we're no longer playing uh, Boston Celtics games in China. Okay. The NBA should say we allow free speech here, and if you don't allow our games to be played, we're not even coming back. We're pulling it all. But the NBA doesn't want to lose out on all that money. They're going to have to learn there are things more important than money. Tony, aren't you a capitalist? Well, of course I'm a capitalist. What does that have to do with anything? What, you think being a capitalist is all about the money? What a what a foolhardy thing, guys. I mean, I don't mean you. I mean them, right? They're going to say, oh, sure, the capitalist. He doesn't want to make the money in China. I don't want to make the money in China. China isn't good. China isn't decent. China isn't valuable. All communists are bad people. They deserve every bit of derision they get. Me, I wouldn't allow Chinese nationals to own property in the United States. You can't own a business. You can't own property. The answer is no. No Chinese national could be a professor at a United States university. No. Communists are not welcome. And those who are either sympathetic or by force have to give themselves up to the Communist Party are not welcome. What does it matter? Who cares what they think? They're communists. All communists are liars. All communist sympathizers are bad people. Bad people. I don't know how much more clear I could be on the subject. You don't allow yourself to get destroyed by China by saying, well, we got to manufacture there because it's cheaper. You don't do that. You don't engage that way. That's nonsense. Inez Cantor, he is having a rough and tumble conversation with China about what China does, about their abuses. And in this one, he's not just discussing China, he's discussing Nike. Dear Nike, your company says that you are making a positive impact in our communities. And that is true. Yes, you are. Here in the United States, Nike stands with the Black Lives Matter. Nike stands with Stop Asian Hate. Nike stands with the Latino community. And Nike stands with the LGBTQ community. And Nike remains vocal about injustice here in America. But when it comes to China, Nike remains silent. You do not address police brutality in China. You do not speak about discrimination against the LGBTQ community. You do not say a word about the oppression of minorities in China. You are scared to speak up. Holy crap. You know as well as I do that that right there can get one fired, excommunicated, ruined. 
You are Adam Silver at that moment. You are like, oh, no. You know how bad that is. You know it. You know you're going to end up in some meetings when you've got a, a player making that statement. Good. Thrilled. I love every bit of it. And he ain't done. Who makes your shoes in China? Do you even know? There are so many forced labor factories in China. For instance, Uyghur forced labor in modern day slavery. And it is happening right now in China. Millions of Uyghurs are currently detained, sold, and assigned to work at forced labor camps, prisons, and factories across the country. They are, un- they are under constant surveillance with long working hours and poor living conditions. They are subject to political re-education. They have no freedom of expression, no freedom of religion, and they are not even able to leave. Did you know that almost the entire apparel and footwear industry is tainted by Uyghur, Uyghur forced labor? Many well-known global brands are implicated. And yes, that includes the one of the NBA's biggest sponsors, Nike. I mean, he just said Nike is implicated with slave labor. Said the words. Now, you could look at it a different way and and say to yourself, uh, you're going to accuse them of of being, you know, working with slave labor. And, ooh. You, you 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 better you better be able to back that up. You better be able to back that up if you're saying that Nike is utilizing slave labor. I'm willing to believe at this moment Enos Cantor can. And he still wasn't done. Nike claims that they do not allow any forced labor in their supply chains. Yet, they don't have the receipt to prove it. They have not publicly committed to cutting ties with the Chinese government's labor transfer scheme. They have not provided clear timelines or updates about their efforts to end this. They have not publicly committed to the steps outlined by the coalition to end Uyghur forced labor. Don't forget, every time you put those shoes on your feet or you put that T-shirt on your back, there are so many tears and so much oppression and so much blood behind it all. Nike likes to say, just do it. Well, what are you doing about the slave labor that makes your shoes? That slave labor that makes you rich? To the owner of Nike, Phil Knight, I have a message for you. How about I book a plane tickets for us? Let's fly, let's fly to China together. We can try to visit these slave labor camps, and you can see it with your own eyes. LeBron James and Michael Jordan, you guys are welcome to come too. Nike must be a participant in this. Stop with hypocrisy. Stop the modern-day slavery now. If you want to know what bravery looks like, it's that. Because, yes, Enos Cantor put his entire career on the line and in many ways could have put his life on the line. If he were to go visit China, he isn't coming back. 
just so we all understand each other. He's not coming back. This is an incredibly bold thing to say. Incredibly. And he's right. And everybody knows that he's right. And calling out LeBron and Michael Jordan. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if Jordan said something. I mean, he may something he may say something to the point of I, I I don't make the shoes, man. Talk to Nike. I'm listening. LeBron, LeBron will say nothing. Nothing at all, because he doesn't say anything. Right now, if you're asking who the leaders are in the NBA, it's Inez Cantor, and who's the guy from the Orlando Magic there, Ari? Jonathan Isaac. Jonathan Isaac. Having adult, rational conversations about the things that they're seeing and why they're taking the stands that they're taking. It is obvious, obvious that they have thought about these things, they have discussed these things, they have looked inward on these things. They're just not reacting because uh, the the social media spectrum, you know, uh, that, that says react or culture says react. They've been thinking about it. They've been discussing it. I appreciate that. By the way, uh, speaking of uh, uh, the NBA, I I haven't shared this yet. I was on I was on Newsmax last week. I think I think I'm on today, and uh, um, I was asked about to comment on something Adam Silver said about Kyrie Irving, the the, the Brooklyn Nets, a player who won't get vaccinated, and they won't let him play. They won't let him play home games. The state and, of New York won't. Uh, no, not yet. That's, that's what it is. Uh, Tony, I'm not lying. I don't think that you. My my argument is is that there could be a lot here to push back on. A lot here to push back on. But I want you to hear what Adam Silver had to say, who is uh, the the guy in charge there at the NBA. And how it was the, the the setup and and how it was brought to me. Yeah, uh, Tony. Uh, then there's of course Kyrie Irving. Uh, tonight the NBA season kicks off. The Nets face the Bucks. Uh, minus Irving, who is standing firm on not getting vaccinated. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver uh, spoke on the matter yesterday. Listen to this. I hope that Kyrie, sort of, um, you, despite how strongly he feels about. Um, the vaccination ultimately decides to get vaccinated because I'd love to see him play basketball this season. And I'd love to see the Brooklyn Nets have their full complement of players on the floor. Tony, about 15 seconds. Yeah, that's a ridiculous statement, Mr. Silver, and you know it. You you respect his decision. He's standing strong, but you'd like to see your pressure work. That's not going to work with NBA fans. That's a, that's a bad statement. You need new writers quickly. That's what I love. So bad. By the way, they shut down the arena for a while, did Kyrie fans, because they don't like the fact that he's not allowed to play. That's a bad, bad take from Adam Silver. Yeah, you've got your you got your morals and everything else, but, uh, you know, 
uh, I, I'd like the team to make more dollars. So why don't you uh, just get out there and uh, and play a little, uh, play a little, play a little basketball? Just do that. Holy cow! That's really bad. That is not leadership. The answer is Kyrie's going to make his decisions. The team is going to make their decisions. Uh, and uh, I, I wish I wish it was better, but here we are. That's how you answer that question. Pressuring Kyrie Irving. I mean, that, that's that's your boss pressuring you to get the vaccine. What are you doing? What are you holding out for? Just bleep, go bleep, right in, done. By the way, I'm not anti-vax. I think the vaccine's fine. Does it have reactions? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Positively. I'm not going to say no. And I don't think adverse reactions to the vaccine should be hidden as OSHA does. Remember, it's the Occupational Safety and Health Administration in the Department of Labor that said, hey, we don't want you to report adverse effects to the vaccine because we want to promote vaccine taking. That's obscene. There can be adverse effects. uh, effects. We should know what they are. Transparency is always better. But employers who force uh, their employees are, of course, wrong. They are 150% and in every single way wrong. As wrong as wrong can be. Ines Cantor, not wrong. That was pretty strong. I'll be curious to see if LeBron responds. I'm Tony Katz. Congressman Thomas Massey introduced a video, and this is getting no play, but I thought it was an interesting video. Whenever it comes to January 6th, I'm willing to do any investigation you want, but it has to be an actual investigation, and one of the things you have to investigate is, why were people invited into the Capitol? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. They got invited in. This is what happened. I don't want to pretend. But there was a guy who on the night before and the night of was saying things like this. In fact, tomorrow, I don't even like to say it because I'll be arrested. We need need to go, I'll say it, we need to go in to the Capitol. Yeah, this is a guy yelling about going into the Capitol, and people are booing him, saying, no, don't be ridiculous. And then the next day, there's more video of this dude. Yeah, they were calling him a fed. Like, they called it out immediately that this guy was a fed. This guy was trying to direct people to the Capitol. It's very, very strange. 
Now, people believe that they, they know who this guy is, and they question out loud whether or not he works as a Fed. Is he part of the FBI? Is he part of some other group of law enforcement? Some people have noted that he has been taken off the capital violence most wanted list. Now, I, I will tell you, I want to see more reporting. But Thomas Massey, Representative Massey, showed this to Merrick Garland. Garland had, had no answer. The, the, the question is, what is this? They had they were going to have that rally in support of people from January 6th who had been arrested and detained without, you know, lawyers or anything else. And like nine people showed up. But there's this photo of a group of them in the same shorts and, and sunglasses. They're all feds and you all know it. Everyone knows it. And we know that there have been people who have tried to find these militia groups by instigating them. And they come from the FBI. So is something happening here even bigger than we think? based on the evidence we already have. Let's investigate that. I'm Tony Katz.